Today we're starting a new series called Becoming, and we're going to be going through the, the, the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippian believers. Now here's the thing about this letter, that he happened to be uh, writing from prison. He was in a prison. I don't know if you've ever been to a prison. It's not a good place to be. Maybe some of you were in prison. Thank God you're not in prison. Uh, but the Apostle Paul happened to be in prison simply because he was preaching the gospel. And there had been the religious Jewish people uh, had come against him and they had accused him. And then he, uh, in their accusations, he appealed to Rome. And so finally he finds himself in prison. Uh, but I don't know if you've ever been to San Francisco. San Francisco has one of the most famous prisons that, that the United States has had. In fact, our one very own, uh, really famous, Chicago's known for, Al Capone, was actually in prison there. Now, if you've been to Alcatraz, we have some pictures that show that. It's an island. And in the island, there's, a, there's just a prison. That's all there is. And it's on, in the base. So you, it's hard to escape from. In fact, they, they believe it was uh, inescapable. Now, there's some theories that there were some prisoners that were bank robbers that did get away. In fact, they made some paper mache heads and put them in their bed. And they dug out uh, and they were able to get out. They never found them. Then they have a picture that uh, came up in, later on in years Supposedly they were in Brazil, but who knows? Nobody knows, but imagine the Apostle Paul in a prison cell. Now, I do have a picture of a possibility of what the cell was like in Rome. So if we could show that picture, uh, there is a picture that shows kind of what it was. Now, it wasn't fancy. I mean, I think Alcatraz was, was very much fancier than what the prison was back then. In fact, to get into the prison, notice that underneath the floor and more in the sewer kind of area is where they would throw the prisoners. Whether the Apostle Paul was in that kind of setting, we don't know, but he was imprisoned. He was imprisoned. But even in this imprisonment, he found himself in a place where he was able to write this letter. First of all, he had time. I don't know about you, but have you ever been through seasons in your life? There's seasons where you're full of joy and God is working and you're out there. You see God moving in supernatural ways. But then you have your times when you feel like you're imprisoned. You, those times where you feel isolated. And in fact, COVID season might have been somewhat like that. You were isolated from people. You find yourself with a lot of time on your hands. And you find yourself in a place. Now what we do notice, there's so many famous quotes that come from Philippians. We quote them all the time. And we're going to be learning and seeing those. But what I want you to know is that God is working in us. I've titled this message, God is always working, so never quit. God is always working. Now imagine the Apostle Paul. And my question that as I was preparing this, this message, I was thinking, Lord, how did the Apostle Paul have such an awesome attitude, a great outlook on life, a great focus in his life, how did he do it? Let alone what he went through was far more extreme than you and I. In fact, if you look at 2 Corinthians eleven sixteen 16 through 33, 
we see this about him. In fact, he's talking to the believers in Corinth about his situation. Listen to some of the things he went through. He'd been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Now top that list. Your resume. We can come and say, man, none of us can compare. I know that none of us here probably can compare with his job description and the list that he had of experiences of suffering, of pain, of brokenness. But in this whole thing, we see that the Apostle Paul, even though he found himself in the situation, he always had the right outlook. He had the right focus in his life. And that's what I've been praying. Lord, help me to learn, no matter what I go through, to have that focus that the Apostle Paul had. To have that attitude that he had. To have the focus in his life that the gospel became preeminent. That that gospel and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ became the focus of his life. Listen, he had to get off, knocked off his horse to find himself in that place. But I found this, that when you and I suffer, that's when there's great focus. The Apostle Paul was in that way. The big idea today is this. When I understand that God is at work in me and in others around me, I can keep going no matter what I go through. Today we want to look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 through 11. In fact, as we look through it and work through it, we're going to understand that God is at work. God is always at work. God is moving since the time that you and I accepted Jesus Christ and God brought us into that relationship with him. We are, God is always working on us. But here's the problem. There are far too many of us that when we're tempted, I don't know if you've ever felt like quitting. I know I have. I felt like quitting before. And especially when times get tough, it's easy for us to quit. It's even more tempting for us to quit. I love what Ross Perot says about quitting. He says this, most people give up just when they are about to achieve success. They quit on the one yard line. They give up at the last minute of the game, one foot from winning a touchdown. I like what Kerry Neoff says this. He says, most leaders are tempted to quit moments before their critical breakthrough. Sometimes there's breakthrough that is about ready to happen. We're at the one-yard line of our life, and then we quit and we give up. Listen, the greatest goal that we should have is never, ever, ever quit. Never give up. Never quit following Jesus. Never keep going forward. Never keep digging out of snow to pursue Jesus. 
to gather in his name. Three ways to keep your perspective and never quit no matter what is going on in your life. I want to talk to you about three ways to keep your perspective and never quit no matter what is going on in your life that we can learn from the Apostle Paul. It starts in verse 3. Obviously, he starts the letter and he addresses it as a servant. He always says, I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. So here's the thing that you see in his life, that when you and I understand that we are here to serve King Jesus, then what happens, everything else falls into place. It's not what I think or what you think, it's what he thinks. And when we align our life with him, that's the most important thing. But he starts with verse 3, kind of unpacking and addressing the letter. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The first thing that we need to keep our, to keep our way that we can keep our perspective is understanding this. Even in your current circumstances, learn to practice the joy of praying and thanking God for others in your life. See, the Apostle Paul had come to a place in his life, it wasn't about him. He had come to the place in his life that he realized, my life is not about me anymore. It's about Jesus. It's about making him known. It's about serving others. It's about a concern for other people in my life. And, and we know that through history, the way that this church was born was quite fascinating. Remember the Philippian jailer. The Philippian jailer, the Apostle Paul and, and, and Silas were actually being persecuted. They were thrown in a dungeon. Uh, they, were given it, they were given to the Philippian jailer to, to guard. And in the middle of the night, they started worshiping God. They begin to praise God, and what happened? God caused an earthquake to happen. And then what happened is you see the chains fell off of them. And instead of them running and saying, oh, we got our freedom, because they had a gospel focus of preaching the gospel, and they cared for other people, they loved people the way that God loves people, what did they do? They stayed there, and we see in Acts chapter 16 that they actually led the Philippian jailer and his whole family to the Lord. In fact, that night they were baptized. And they surrendered their life to Christ. They gave their life to Jesus. Uh, God called them. God had a purpose and a plan. Even in their suffering. Because they beat him before they put him in prison. They beat them. They chained them. Put them in the dungeon. And through that, we see the church in Philippi being birthed. So this is approximately, they believe, about 10 years later that we see now the Apostle Paul, who's himself in prison again, and he finds himself in this place, and he's praying for them. He says, everything, I, I thank God for you. Every time I think about you, I pray for you. I pray for you. One of the greatest things that we can do is to practice prayer and thanksgiving, and giving thanks to God for other people. When our eyes are off of ourselves and focused on other people, I think God begins to be able to use us in a powerful way. Even in this crazy situation, we see that the Apostle Paul found himself in that he was thinking about others in his life, the people that he had, been, that had seen surrender their life to Christ. And these people became like family. I, I've experienced this in the church. The church. In no other place can you experience this. Where you experience God's forgiveness, first of all, for your sin. And God gets a hold of your life. And, and, and I want you to notice something. It's God who pursued you and me. 
It wasn't you, I was searching for God. Oh yeah, we were searching, but we were searching in all the wrong places. And we're trying to find meaning in life, purpose in life. And God showed up and he pursued us and he came and brought joy to our life. Notice what he says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Now, here he is in prison, cold, damp, finding himself isolated, and then he finds himself praying. A lot of time to pray. He found himself, he had a lot of time to pray, so he finds himself praying with joy. With joy because of the partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. When he saw them come to Christ and they became partners in the gospel. See, it doesn't matter what you're doing in furthering the gospel, but we are partners together, he's saying. Now, I I think there's something powerful that we can learn from this. Joy is not uh, happiness. Joy is a choice that we make to have the right focus in our life, to focus on what really matters, and to keep our hearts settled on one purpose and one plan to let other people know about Jesus, and first of all, to have our eyes focused on him. But there's something powerful about joy. Joy for a believer. The Apostle Paul, even in his circumstance, he could, he could, he could pray with joy. Imagine sitting in the cell and he's like, oh, Jesus, oh. Oh, I pray as I think about the Philippians, Lord. Oh, oh. and then certain his, he's writing this. He's, oh, Jesus, thank you so much for them. Thank you for the work that you've begun in their life. Thank you for saving them. Thank you for rescuing. Thank you for that day, God, when you showed up at that prison cell. And then God began to do a work in the city. How many know the kingdom of God is like that? It's like a seed that's planted and it starts mushrooming and growing. And we don't know what that looks like and how many people are going to be saved. I don't know how big the church was at that point. But you know what? There were many lives that had been changed and transformed because they experienced suffering in their life. The Apostle Paul experienced suffering. But there's something powerful about joy. You know what the Bible tells us about joy? That the joy of the Lord is our strength. You want to find strength? You must Ask the Lord, God, give me your joy. Fill me with joy. Let me have the right perspective in my life that no matter what I go through, what I'm going through right now, that I would keep my eyes on you, that I would keep my focus on you and keep going forward. In fact, Nehemiah 8.10 is where we get that from. He says, then he said, verse 10, he says, then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to our Lord and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know what had happened? They had discovered the word of God. The word of God had kind of gotten hidden and dusty in their lives in Ezra's time and in Nehemiah's time and Ezra who was a priest, they were going through the temple and they've discovered the law of the Lord, the, the, the writings of the law, and they started reading it. And people were grieved, and they started weeping, and they started uh, being grieved over their sin when they realized how far they had gotten from God. And then the Bible says that Nehemiah told them to what? He says, don't be grieved. Rejoice. Eat. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, I believe the enemy loves to steal joy. He loves to steal our joy. Why does he do that? Because he knows that if he steals our joy, 
He gets us focused on the wrong things. He gets us focused and distracted by all that's going on and focused on our circumstances, focused on politics, focused on all these other things that really, when it comes down to it, don't really matter in the long scheme of things. But what happens is he begins to steal our joy, rob us of our peace, rob us of our strength. Have you found the joy of praying for others in your life? Are you choosing joy no matter what you are going through in your life? Do you realize that what we are partners with others in sharing the gospel? Say that you also carry the gospel, the good news, and we are called to share it. We're called to be on focus no matter what's going on in our life, no matter how hard it's getting, no matter how difficult it may be, that God has called us to have that focus, to learn to practice the joy of praying and thanking God for others in our life. You know, it's often that my wife and I will find ourselves doing that. We'll pray. We pray for you. All of you, even sometimes, we, uh, even though we might not know exactly what's going on, but how many know God knows what's going on in your life? And so we pray. We lift you up before the throne of God. It's a, that's a the thing, the powerful thing about prayer, is that we get to have an audience with King Jesus. I have this picture. I'm always visualizing, like, uh, like sometimes when I come and pray with you, or sometimes I'm, I'm agreeing with, with you on something, I, I imagine ourselves standing like this little kids before King Jesus. And we're just, we're just bringing it. And maybe you're bringing a petition. I'm agreeing, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And I just get this picture of us standing there before this King of glory, the Almighty God, the, the God who nothing is impossible for him. And in his pursuit of us, in the, the, the Apostle Paul, secondly, we see, Another thing that, a way that we can keep us, our perspective and never quit no matter what is going on in our life is that know that God is always on the clock and working in you and in others around you no matter what is going on in your lives. Verse 6, he says this. Why does he pray with joy? Why does he get excited and filled with joy because of the partnership that they have in the gospel? Because of this. Verse 6, being confident of this, that no that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion into the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? The Apostle Paul had a confidence in the, that he was writing to the believers in Philippi, and he was saying, listen, I'm confident. I am in full confident, confidence in what? In God, that he who began a good work in you will complete it. That's why we have titled this series, Becoming, because we're talking about what you are right now, and God is molding us and shaping us, and we're in the process of God forming us. He's changing us. But here's the thing that we can stand on strong and firmly, that if you have Jesus as your Savior and Lord, if you've come to the place where God has opened up your eyes to see that you and I need a Savior, that he has forgiven us of our sins by faith, not by what we do or say or don't do, but because of the, his blood that was shed on the cross for us, that we have the confidence that when he began a good work in you and me, He's going to finish. Listen, 
God, when he begins a work, he finishes it. Many of us, we've started projects. We've started remodeling projects in our house. And you know what? Sometimes those projects never get finished. They're still there. And you and I might be quitters. But he never quits. He never gives up. He never quits. In fact, we have the assurance to know that he has made a promise. And I've stand on this verse so much in my life. You know why? I put my confidence in God. That it wasn't me that came to God. It was he that brought me to himself. He opened up my blind eyes. The scales off my eyes fell off. Oh, there was a gift that he was giving me, but I could only receive that gift because God, through his mercy and grace, allowed me to see my need of Jesus. And I came to him fully surrendered, saying, God, I need you. I have nothing that I can bring to you. I bring nothing to you. And yet you give me everything. But do you know that God is committed to completing his work in your life? Are you convinced? I know I am. What you see right now, I'm not a finished product. If you think that you're a finished product, oh, my brother and sister, you have problems. But I believe strongly that God is calling us to stand on the confidence the same way that the Apostle Paul had a confidence that God was a God who started something in their life and that he was going to finish it. He was going to complete it. Now, it might take a lifetime. But what does that mean for us? It means that we are called to be patient with each other. We're called to bear one another's burdens. We're called to love each other where we're at and to help each other grow and take the next step. Joyce Meyer says this, God knows that you are a work in progress and that you will be for as a long will be for as long as you live. So enjoy where you are and on the way that you are going. You see that? Because here's what happens. I think it's the most important thing is, is how we are living. We got to enjoy the moment. We got to be like the Apostle Paul. He was sitting in a cell, and yet he's enjoying that moment. Why? Because he's thinking about others. He's thinking about others. How can I encourage them? How can I pray for them? It was not about himself anymore. And we'll see later on in, 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 in Philippians this attitude that he had was this. I, I, he says this, I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in, 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 in me and through me. We, if we could only grasp these th truths that he's laying out of how he lived his life, if we could imitate what he did and the focus that he had in his life, I wonder what, how would that would change our life? How would that change our life? Paul was convinced and confident that God would finish the work that he had begun in the life of the Philippian believers. Are you convinced? Are you convinced about that? We can't become frustrated on the journey or lose our joy, which means that we ultimately lose our strength. I'll never forget, as a little boy, we were living in Mexico, and my parents decided to go visit my grandparents who had moved to California, sunny California. Zach and Victory. And uh, they were there, and so they, they decided, my parents decided during the summer to go and visit them. So we got in our suburban, and here's the thing with that journey. It was a long journey. Let me tell you the journey. It was rough. 
we were in a suburban, it had no air conditioning. They decided to bring our dog, which was a German shepherd dog, and we stopped at a, a, a hotel that they didn't allow pets inside. Now you get in the picture. So they, and they, you could not leave him tied up to our trailer outside in our vehicle. He had to be in the vehicle. Now think about that. So in the middle of the night, when we wake up the next morning, our dog got sick in the middle of the night. Got the runs. And he was all over the car. So imagine that. The smell the next morning, my dad had to go clean it at a cleaning car place. And he had to vacuum and clean and scrub. And, but you know what? The odor was still there. And I'll never forget in the car, get in the car, and I was in the back holding him. And he threw up on my my shorts, my legs. And it was hot. There was no air conditioning. We're on this journey. We, I remember going through the deserts. And there was desert sands going to California. I don't know what state we're I mean, we're probably in California, but I don't know. I was just a kid. But I remember sometimes getting, stopping, and, and going on the sand dunes. And, and then we run out of money. My parents ran out of m- money just to pay gas. I mean, we're there. Now, I never felt hungry, so we stopped at one place. We're in the middle of the night, sleeping in the car. And then uh, they had to go in and ask my grandparents to wire us money to be able to, to make the, the rest of the trip. But the journey was worth it because deep down inside, we had this longing to see my grandfather and my grandmother. In my mind, I was, I, I, we were going through rough times, but it didn't seem that rough because I was looking forward to when we got to my grandparents' house, who we had not seen for several years, and we were able to hug them. We were able to be with them. The journey did not seem that bad. It didn't seem that hard because my focus and our focus was to get to my grandparents' house. Are you following with me? Sometimes you can get so distracted in the journey that you start complaining about your journey. You start complaining about the hard things you're going through. You start worrying about the things that are there. And God is saying, listen, focus beyond. Look beyond because I've begun a good work in your life and I am going to complete it. Are you convinced that God will complete the work that he has begun in your life? Are you completely convinced without a shadow of doubt in your heart and in your mind that God has begun a good work in you and he's going to finish it? He's promised he will finish it. Now, it's going to take a lifetime. So don't quit. Don't give up. Don't let your focus be on the circumstances, but go beyond the circumstance of what you're going through and say, God, I'm trusting you. I'm looking to you to get me through. And looking forward to that day that we will be completely, completely, we'll understand all things. We'll understand the reasons why we went through difficulties and what we went through to get there. Are you choosing to enjoy the journey that God has you in becoming more like him? You know, the journey ultimately is to become more like Jesus. But you know what? We need to see actual examples of that. And the Apostle Paul is a great example to follow in the fact that he, the attitude they had, and if we could just have just a little bit of that, 
where we say, God, it's not about me anymore. It's about you and your glory. It's about the gospel going forward, the good news of Jesus Christ, that we have something that can save another person's life for eternity. Think about it. We become carriers of a message. And when we carry this message, we impart it to others. We give it out to others. We share it. And, and we take risk, and we, we, we sometimes are, are suffering in some ways because people reject us. And, and that's no problem. You know why? Because we are looking beyond that to the fact that God has begun a work in us, and he's going to complete it, and one day we'll stand before him. Perfect in his sight. Right now we see our flaws, we see our weaknesses, but there's an attitude that we have of going beyond and going forward and finishing the race. Like the Apostle Paul had this attitude that he's sitting in prison. He doesn't know his future. There's uncertainty in his life. And yet he's praying with joy for other people. Listen, I've heard often, in fact, my wife, was, we were talking a little bit about it yesterday. She said that her dad used to tell her, listen, if you are discouraged, you need to find somebody who's more discouraged than you and, and encourage them. And then he says, what, what, what you'll find is that you'll be more encouraged once you're done encouraging somebody else. Why? Because the eyes are not on your own circumstances. Your eyes are focused on what? Other people. Have you learned the joy of serving others? Have you learned the joy of imparting to others, of seeing other people take steps towards Jesus? Have you, have you found the joy of seeing transformation in their life as you pour into their life? Listen, there's nothing more powerful than discipleship. In fact, that's what we're here for. That's why we're here. That's why Jesus doesn't save us and take us to heaven right away. Wouldn't that be great? No, there's a reason why. He keeps us here so that we can be like the Apostle Paul, carriers of the good news of Jesus Christ, confident that he who began a good work in you will complete it. Right now, my wife and I are mentoring several people. I am convinced that he who began a good work in you will complete it. Stephen and Cynthia, he's going to complete that work. You guys stood up here, you got baptized, you made a public declaration, and I'm not sure you're not arrived. Neither have we. But you fix your eyes on Jesus and go forward. Thirdly and lastly, we see uh, another way to keep our perspective and never quit no matter what is going on in our life is this. Know that God is working on the people that you and I are becoming as we practice loving him and others. Verse 11, 9 through 11, it says this. We, we get insight. Now the apostle Paul kind of gives us insight into what he was praying. He says, well, I pray for you. But what did he pray? Look what he prayed for them. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Part of what God is working in us is that our love for God and others would abound or grow more, more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Notice it's interesting that he doesn't say that you feel love for each other. Love is not a feeling. Can I say that again? Love is not a feeling. Love is a commitment. 
And it's kind of interesting that he focuses this whole uh, thing on this. He says, what is he praying for? That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Uh, here's the thing that I realize we must practice loving others by conforming to the truth of God's word more than our emotions as we live out our faith. You need to focus more and more on knowing and aligning your love and how you love, your, you love others, how you love God, based on truth of God's word as opposed to your feelings. Because how many know feelings change? In fact, they change quickly. Some of you got up and you got bad news or, uh, on, a, on a certain day and the stock market went down. And you're just like, oh, that's terrible. And you're kind of all down now because something happened that you, you were very disturbed by. Listen, our emotions go up and down. There are people that will let us down. How many know that? People let us down. Sometimes they say something, they don't show up for something. Say, I'll be there. But then they don't show up. But you just sit there, okay, you know. But, you know, sometimes if our emotions are based on not knowledge of God's word, not knowledge of truth, what can happen is our emotions will go all the way around. And we can be up here one minute and down here the next. And we can love people when we feel like loving people. And when we don't feel like loving people, we're not loving people. Listen, he said, I pray that, that you would grow, that you would abound, that it would be fruitful, that it would grow, that you would abound more and more, that it would continue to grow in your life, that the knowledge and depth of insight of how to love God, I believe in love other people. How do you love people? How do you love the community of faith? Do you love just in word or do you love in action? And you know what? Today, I've seen more and more a love in action in this congregation, more and more. Some of you brothers showed up and you were digging us out of here just to be able to walk. Here. So you came early, you, 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 throw, you broke bags of salt that we had there that were bricks, and you powdered them up and you spread it out. Why? Because why did you do that? Out of love for God and love for his people. And so you serve in that way. Why? Because we are, it's a practical thing. It's, it's basing, basically aligning ourselves by truth. It's loving people when they're unlovable. It's standing for the truth no matter what happens. It's focus of life is that so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Listen, there's going to be a time. God, we're working towards the day of Christ's return. And he's coming. And he's working in us, and the work that he's begun, he's completing it. But how many know that we make decisions in life? You make decisions. You make decisions of what you're going to focus on. You make decisions of what you're going to eat. You're going to make decisions of what you're wearing. You make decisions of how you're going to bless others. You make decisions of how you're going to steward God's resources. So you take the time, and you align all that according to God's word so that it may abound more and more. The love of God may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, commitment to one another, commitment to the truth of God's word, that we would stand pure and blameless before him, pure, not hidden motives, no other desires, blameless, without fault, no offense, no blemish, overflowing with righteousness, that the character of God would burst out of us. Think about that, that God's character would be bursting out of us, coming out of us, 
as we, as we live our lives, as we love one another, as we uh, pursue Jesus, as we pursue partnership in the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, as we pursue uh, together what it means to love a community uh, that's around us, seeing them come to Jesus. He's not praying about the situations they're in, but who they are within the situations. He wants them to be the children of God they are in all situations. In every situation that we face, that we would respond like children of God. He wants them to be like Jesus in all situations, that we respond the way that Jesus would respond. In fact, the bracelet that used to be said, what would Jesus do, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Listen, we need to ask ourselves the question, what would Jesus do in this situation? What would this Jesus do in the situation that I find myself in where I have a disagreement with somebody? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do in the way I love uh, my neighbors? How I respond to different situations? How, what would Jesus do? He wants them to be enamored with the idea that God is working on who they are in all and to be in love with living within that reality. There's a reality that God has called us to, to be in, so in love with Jesus. And that the love and the character of Jesus would begin to flow in and through our lives. And that's why the Apostle Paul later on will see. He said, listen, for me to live is, is Christ. To die is gain. I, 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 I am who you see is because Christ lives in me. It's him. He's the one that brought me to himself. Listen, the Apostle Paul was not pursuing God. He thought he was. But he was persecuting God's people. And then God knocked him off his horse and said, listen, why are you persecuting me? That's what Jesus said to him in a vision. He was blind for three days, then God gave him a mission. I'm going to call you to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. You're going to stand before kings, and you're going to preach. And here he does, and, and, and guess what? It took 14 years before he even kind of became accepted by the disciples because they kind of feared him. Wouldn't you fear him if he was persecuting you? And then all of a sudden, he shows up. And then he's accepted into the body of Christ. He's, he, he, God has been forming him through those 14 years of just kind of like on the side. And God's forming him, shaping him, and solidifying his mission, the mission that God had called him to. And listen, if anybody ever lived there on mission, it was the Apostle Paul. I don't know about you, but I'm excited as we continue on this series of becoming. The fact that God is working in us and that he who started a good work in you is committed to finishing it. What that looks like, I'm so excited to see. But you know what? It's going to take perseverance. It's going to take you it, taking on the attitude and the heart that, that, that the Apostle Paul had uh, that was produced by his spirit in his life and say, listen, I've called you to this. Listen, every, every single believer and follower of Jesus is called to preach the gospel. Let me say that again. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to evangelize. You're called to preach the gospel. And it doesn't mean that you might stand up here and do a preaching or a teaching, but it does mean that you are called to preach to people. And how you do it is not like you take your big Bible and you beat them over the head. No. You live out truth 
and you speak out truth and you live in such a way that your love is abounding more and more in knowledge and depth of insight that you are following Jesus. You're aligning your life with him. And as you follow Jesus and you continue to pursue him, oh man, God begins to shape you and form you and continues to shape you and form you because he who began a good work in you, he's going to complete it. And he's going to fulfill it. Listen, we're all called to make disciples as well. Every single one of us. If you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, God has called you to make disciples. You, you, you were meant to reproduce. Every single little child that comes up and is born, they have the potential of reproduction, right? Biologically. Every single follower of Jesus, when you're born again of God's spirit, we have that God has made us to reproduce. Reproduce what? Reproduce disciples. As we come out of this COVID season, we don't know how long it's going to be still. The vaccine's out. It's happening. A lot of uncertainty still of the future. But one thing is for sure. We are going to see a harvest. We're going to see people come to Christ. And how is it going to happen? It's not going to be just Sunday mornings. It's going to be where God spreads us out and we are able to share, where we pray with joy for other people to see them come to Christ. That we start praying for our neighbors. We were there here Friday night and we, we put on the card and we spent time, Lord, who do you want me to put on this card to pray for? Begin to pray for that you would change their life, that you bring them to yourself. You know what? So I wrote down several names and most of them were on my block. And I was praying for them. And I laid them at the cross. And as we go into Easter, I believe there's a harvest that is happening. There are people that are going to come to Christ. But you know what? We need mentors too. We need people to step up and disciple others. I love what the Apostle Paul, and I'll close with this verse. The Apostle Paul speaking to, in Philippians 1.27, says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. The apostle also said this. He says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I believe God is on the move. The way he saved and maybe rescued you, he's going to save and rescue others. For the unbeliever in this, this letter that he wrote, we are going to discover that Paul will tell us that everything else in this life for the unbeliever is this. Everything else in life, this life is really garbage compared to the knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ. For the believer, we can't forget who we are in God. That our identity is always rooted in Jesus Christ. I don't know if you remember, Lion King is a great example of that. Lion King, remember... Um, He's standing there, and his dad had died, and he had grown up, and he, was, he just still didn't know who he was until he goes to that river, and he's looking in the mirror, and he sees a picture of his, his father, Mufasa. Do you remember that? See, some of us need to be reminded who we are in God. That when we look in the mirror, when we look at the river, we begin to see more of Jesus. Less of ourselves, more of Jesus. Like John the Baptist said, I must decrease, he must increase. 
Maybe some of us need to surrender our life in such a way saying, God, I'm tired of trying to carry it myself. I found that in surrendering to God and just lifting my hands to him and constantly saying, God, I'm yours. I belong to you. I find myself uh, getting closer as I spend time in his word. I start seeing who God has called me to truly be. His son, his son, and how he's called us to be sons and daughters. That we need to know our identity and who we are in Christ. As we, I mean, as we continue on this series, God wants to speak to us. But I, w- I want to challenge you to something. I would challenge you. It's only four chapters. Read Philippians, four chapters. In this whole series, there's six weeks. Keep reading Philippians. Keep reading Philippians and start underlining and looking at principles or truths that God is saying about us, who we are, about the gospel, and especially about the Apostle Paul and the way he lived his life. What was his value system? And we're going to be discovering that as we go. But as we close our time together today, are you learning to pray for others in your life? Are you convinced that he who started a work in your life has promised to finish that work? Have you ever doubted that? Do you find yourself doubting sometimes of the fact that God is going to finish that work in your life? Will you know for sure today, based on God's word, that if he began a good work in you, he's going to complete it? Notice it's a good work and that he will finish it. He started it. He's the one that is the author of our faith and he's the finisher of our faith. Are you learning to discipline yourself to practice loving others, not by feeling or emotion, but by truth? I challenge you. I challenge you today to start praying for people. Make a list. Ask the Lord, God, who do you want me to pray for? Maybe it's family members, and, and, and God already planted some seeds in their life, but God needs to germinate those seeds and water those seeds, and then it's up to God to make the seeds grow the way he's done in our life. I'm going to ask us to stand and I'm going to ask the worship team to come as we close our time. But as we close our time, I I want you to, to be thinking right now. Do you truly believe that he who began a good work in you, the work that he's begun in you is really a good work, an amazing work, a God work, a work that only he can do. He's the one that brought you to himself. He's the one that opened the eyes of your eyes, the the blinders. He took them off your eyes. The scales fell off your eyes when you turned to Jesus. And now he's called you. He's begun a good work in you, and he's going to complete it. Are you trusting him in the process? Are you looking beyond the circumstances that you find yourself in right now? And you put your trust completely in him. God, you are working in me and you're going to finish. What great encouragement we can find in that. Some of you need to just surrender afresh. Say, God, here I am. I want to be on this journey like the Apostle Paul. And and though I find myself in hard circumstances, God, I want to be filled with joy, still praying, still rejoicing, still praying for others not thinking about myself anymore. So as we close, I'm just going to pray right now and then we're going to close with the worship song. But take time to to think about what God has spoken to you about today.
If you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life, I want to challenge you today would be the day of salvation. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you can pray a, a simple prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you, but it's you coming sincerely before God and saying, God, I'm a sinner. I know that I'm, I was born in sin. God, I've been separated from you. I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go your way, God. And your way is Jesus. It's your way is following you, Jesus. And I want to follow you the rest of my life. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a second chance, God. I repent of my sins. Turn away. Do a 180. And I follow you, God. If you want to take that step today, I want to challenge you if you do pray that prayer, a sincere crying out to God. I, I, if you did do pray that prayer in the sincerity of faith, I pray that you would just share it with somebody that could solidify it. Share it with me. Send a note. If you're online, uh, put, put, write us a note telling us that you did that. And we can maybe help follow up and encourage you through this. But let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the Apostle Paul and, and the way that you knocked him off of his horse. Brought him to yourself. And Lord, how you worked in him to have such an attitude in his heart uh, that he had come to know you. He came to love other people the way that you love. Lord, help us to be those kinds of people today, now, in the 2021, God, that we would be those kind of people on mission, partners with the gospel. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.